Good evening and um, welcome to our Bible study as we continue through the book of Job. And if you have your Bibles with you, uh, please turn with me to Job chapter 11. Job chapter chapter 11. Then Zophar the Nemethite replied, Are all these words to go unanswered? Is this talker to be vindicated? Will your idle talk reduce others to silence? Will no one rebuke you when you mock? You say to God, my beliefs are flawless, and I am pure in your sight. Oh, how I wish that God would speak, that he would open his lips against you and disclose to you the secrets of wisdom, the true wisdom, for true wisdom has two sides. Know this, God has even forgotten some of your sins. Can you fathom the mysteries of God? Can you probe the limits of the Almighty? They are higher than the heavens above. What can you do? They are deeper than the depths below. What can you know? Their measure is longer than the earth and wider than the sea. If he comes along and confines you in prison and convenes a court, who can oppose him? Surely he recognizes deceivers. And when he sees evil, does he not take note? But the witless can no more become wise than a donkey and a wild donkey as colt can be born human. Yet, if you devote your heart to him and stretch out your hands to him, if you put away the sin that is in your hand and allow no evil to dwell in your tent, then free of fault you will lift up your face, you will stand firm and without fear, you will surely forget your trouble, recalling it only as waters go by. Life will be brighter than noonday, and darkness will become like morning. You will be secure because there is hope. You will look about you and take your rest in safety. You will lie down with no one to make you afraid. You may, and many will court your favor. But the eyes of the wicked will fail, and escape will elude them. Their hope will become a dying gasp. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you again for your word, and we just ask that you uh, lead us through it, that you might speak to us through these words of the book of Job, that we might be encouraged, and that we might be challenged, as we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we come to the part of this book of Job, chapter 11, where Zophar speaks. You see, you know, Zophar knows that his friend Job has lost his family as well as all his material possessions. He can see by Job's appearance that physically he is suffering, mentally he's depressed and spiritually he's disillusioned and confused. He has listened to Job, but the question is, is he trying to understand Job? He's also listened to the verbal exchanges between Job and Eliphath and Job and Bildad. And he can see that instead of bringing comfort to Job, they've only brought controversy. Both Eliphaz and Bildad have told Job that his suffering is the result of sin and that God is the God of justice. The wicked are punished and the righteous are blessed. End of story. But Job is saying, I am righteous, so why is God being so unfair to me by allowing me to suffer? I wish that I had never been born. 
So Job's friend, Zophar, is about to speak. Will he bring words of hope and reassurance to his friend, Job? So we come to verse 1. Then Zephyr, the Namathite, replied. Now, just for a moment, we're not really sure where uh, Zophar is from. If you go to Genesis chapter 4, verse four, uh, 22, uh, it says, Tubalcain's sister was Neymar. And this suggests that that has some link with the nation of the Ammonites. And that would mean that Zophar was probably from Arabia. But then he goes on. Are all these words to go unanswered? Is this talker to be vindicated? You see, it's as if he turns to face Eliphaz and Bildad and says to them, do you expect him to get away with all this nonsense? And it's as though he then turns to Job and says to Job, who do you think you are? So in verse 3, will your idle talk reduce others to silence? Will no one rebuke you when you mock? You see, what he's saying here is, your empty words are challenging the wise words of your friends. And what is more, you're mocking God. Now we come to verse 4 and he says, You say to God, my beliefs are flawless and I am pure in your sight. You know, if we think about this and think about what's already been said, this is a total misinterpretation of what Job has been saying. He's not saying that he, that that his beliefs are flawless. He's saying that he believes that the God he believes in is flawless. And this is why he's saying, I can't understand what is happening to me. Also, he's not saying that he is sinless and pure. He never claims that. What he's saying is that he knows that he is a sinner, but he knows he's a sinner who is right with God. And we know that Job is right, because we know what God has said about Job. If we go back to the very beginning, verse 8 of chapter 1, this is what God said. Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright a man who fears God and shuns evil. Well then, Zophar goes on, and this is what he says. He says, oh, how I wish that God would speak, that he would open his lips against you and disclose to you the secrets of wisdom, for true wisdom has two sides. Know this, God has even forgotten some of your sins. You know, this is a very hard thing for Job to, to take in and to listen to. You see, so far, we're learning that he's argumentative, he's aggressive, and he seems to be a know-all. And he's even suggesting to Job that he deserves to be punished even more than he is. He's saying that God has even more sins that he could hold against Job, but he hasn't done that. And he's telling Job that you can't know the secret wisdom of God. No one can plumb the depths of God's secret wisdom. And then, ironically, 
He's going to go on to tell Job that he, so far, has plumbed the depths of God's secret wisdom and that he knows why God is making Job suffer. So we come to the verses 7 through to 9 and let's title this The Mysterious God or The Mysteries of God. Zophar says, Can you fathom the mysteries of God? Can you probe the limits of the Almighty? They're higher than the heavens above. So what can you do? They're deeper than the depths below. So what can you know? Their measure is longer than the earth and wider than the sea. Well, this is actually true. But out of this, so far is saying to Job, what can you do and what can you know? He's saying, Job, you don't know why, but I do. And I wish that God would reveal to you what he's revealed to me. What you don't know is that you have committed sins, sins that you are not even aware of. He's going to say, so Job, I've listened to your foolish words. Now you listen to my words of deep wisdom. So we come to verses 10 through to 12. And Zophar now speaks about God. He's telling Job about God. He says, if he comes along and confines you in prison and convenes a court, who can oppose him? Tell me that, Job. Then he goes on and says, Surely he recognizes deceivers, and when he sees evil, does he not take note? In other words, he's saying to Job, God knows what you've been up to. And then he goes on, But the witless can no more become wise than a wild donkey's colt can be born human. You see, what he's saying is that God the judge is right. And you are getting what you deserve. In fact, you even deserve more than you're getting. Because you are guilty. But you're too stupid to see it. In other words, it's as plain as the nose on your face. Or in Zophar's words, can a wild donkey's colt be born human? He's saying to Job, this is what I know. And what I know is what you don't know. And because of that, now I will tell you what you should do. And it's as if at this point, Zophar, instead of speaking directly to Job, begins to quote what he sees as being a well-known truth. But Job, in his eyes, seems to have missed. So when we come from verse 13 through to 20, this proud know-it-all, is now saying to Job, you follow my lead. And then he says, yet, if you devote your heart to him and stretch out your hands to him, if you put away the sin that is in your hand and allow no evil to dwell in your tent, then free of fault you will lift up your face 
You will stand firm and without fear. You will surely forget your trouble, recalling it only as waters gone by. Life will be brighter than noonday and darkness will become like morning. You will be secure because there is hope. You will look about you and take your rest in safety. You will lie down with no one to make you afraid and many will court your favour. And then he goes on and he gives a warning to Job and basically says, and if you don't, if you don't do what I'm telling you to do, then the result will be you will die. Verse 20, but the eyes of the wicked will fail and the scape will elude them. Their hope will become a dying gasp. So he's saying to Job, don't you be like them. You do what I say. And he's saying to Job, Job, this is you. Well, we know that so far has really got hold of the wrong end of the stick, as it were. He's coming in, maybe with the right words, but in the wrong direction and saying them to the wrong person. But what can we learn this evening from this? Well, let's consider, like Eliphaz and Bildad, so far shows no compassion for Job. They make no effort to try to understand what Job is going through. They make no effort when they listen to Job to hear what he's really saying. They see God's judgment in what is an oversimplistic way. They know that the righteous will be blessed and the wicked will be punished. That is true. But they leave no room for God to allow the righteous to suffer. You know, let's just pause for a moment and think of the consequences of this. Because if their theology is right, then Jesus would never have suffered. See, they, they know that the wisdom of God is beyond our understanding, and yet Zophar is claiming that he knows the secret wisdom of God. He has all the answers. And a lesson for us here is that by using Scripture in a way that it is not meant to be used, we, like Zophar, if we're not careful, can hurt a fellow believer. You see, it's right when sharing the gospel with a sinner who is seeking redemption, and even a believer who is continuing in sinful ways. And it's right for us under those occasions to say to them, if you devote your heart to him and stretch out your hands to him, if you put away the sin that is in your hand and allow no evil to dwell in your tent, then, free of fault, you will lift up your face, you will stand firm and without fear, you will surely forget your trouble, recalling it only as waters gone by. Life will be brighter than noonday and darkness will become like morning, you will be secure because there is hope. You will look about you and take your rest in safety. You will lie down with no one to make you afraid. And many will call your favour. The alternative is, if you don't come to God this way, you'll be acting like the wicked who fail to accept God's salvation and your hope will become a dying grasp. 
You see, these are the, the, the way of salvation and restoration. And it is to turn to God. It is to pray and acknowledge our sin before him. It is to turn to him. And when we do that, to turn away from our sin and then to live a righteous life in Christ. But these are not the words that Job needs to hear from his friends. You see, Job needs words of reassurance. Reassurance that whatever he's going through, the Lord is with him. Job needs to know that they, like him, don't have all the answers. But he needs to know that they will be prepared to sit with him and, if necessary, hold his hand. As we draw to a close this evening, uh, I want to just remind ourselves of the words of Paul when he spoke to the church of Corinth. This is in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. And this is what we read. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. You see, for Job, the battle is not yet over. So, one more thing that I want us to think about just before we finish is I want us to consider now the words of Peter when he spoke in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. And let us consider these words now. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. So first of all, Peter is saying, we must recognize and respect who Jesus is. He is Christ the Lord. And Peter goes on, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. You know, this question might be, about the hope that you have in Jesus when being asked by one who is seeking the way of salvation. Or it might be from a believer asking what hope can we give them in Jesus through this, their time of suffering. And then Peter goes on, and what he's saying to us is that in all cases, but do this with gentleness and respect. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for this short time we've been able to spend around your word, and we just pray that you will speak to us through it, that we might understand more of you. Amen.